I, I feel like this year, for me personally, I feel like a new excitement about Easter for some reason. Just like getting excited. I'm also trying to enjoy the season of uh, reflecting in your own heart life and looking at what what uh, has led to Christ to the cross and, and what is it, what are the implications of that in my life. So hope you are as well. Uh, we've been talking about what anchors us to God. Uh, the rock of Christ is the foundation of what we build everything on. Jesus is his life, his resurrection, his life of spirit in our lives is everything. And so we're excited about continuing that. Thanks, uh, thanks. Uh, I was gonna say hi to thanks to Alice for making food. Thanks, Alice. Ooh. She went somewhere. Yeah. Um, also, if you're watching online, thank you for tuning in. We're glad to have you. So we're gonna talk a little bit about the next stake that anchors us to Christ. Last week we talked about identity in Christ and how it isn't spiritual activity that helps tie you to the life of Christ, but it's understanding who God says about you that's the first anchor. And we have a new identity, and we, we choose to say and believe the things that God says about us, not what the world says, or our parents have said, or teachers have said, or whatever culture has said. So that's the first thing. The second stake, I think, is also important. Again, we're not getting into spiritual activity yet. We're not getting into um, disciplines or anything like that yet. We're going to do that last week. But this week we're going to talk about one of the keys to what it means to be a follower of Jesus, and it's about being in relationship with each other. Everything that God does, everything that he is involved in, has to do with relationship. He is not, any part of God is not without the aspect of relationship and wanting relationship. Everything. So anytime there's something spiritual that happens, it always has to connect to having a relationship with each other and with God. To love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, strength, and to love our neighbors, ourselves. So relationship is the key to everything. We talk about that quite a bit. Um, and we uh, are going to talk about that today. Today we're going to talk about the life of Moses. How many know something about Moses? Ten Commandments, Charlton Heston, right? <laughs> um, uh, so Moses is, is the, the, first, uh, well, the, the first prophet. Um, Moses was a Hebrew boy found by the, the Pharaoh in Egypt. He was brought into the Pharaoh's house. Then as he gets older, he sees that his people, the Israelites, are getting abused and they're enslaved and getting killed. And so Moses rises up and kills the Egyptian. And then he freaks out and flees to the wilderness. This is like the very, very short version. Go read it in Exodus. Then there's this burning bush about 40 years later. And he's like, what the heck's going on? It wasn't burning any bush. It was just a burning bush. Um, and then he goes, God calls him back to Pharaoh to lead his people out of Israel. There's the plagues, there's the Red Sea, there's in the wilderness, Israel for 40 years rebels, and they're just trying to figure out what it is, how we're going to get to this promised land. God has, gives them the Ten Commandments, the tabernacle, 40 years in the desert. Whew. Moses. Okay? Someone asks you, what about Moses? Just tell them that. Okay? It's the story. So, life of Moses is really interesting because Moses was this pretty profound uh, person and character that we get to read about who had a very uh, up and down life. Go read it in the book of Exodus and then Numbers and Deuteronomy. All that has an incredible story of what it meant to establish Israel as a nation and to lead Israel out of slavery into the promised land, which is the direct correlation of us getting out of our sin and brokenness and slavery into the promised land, which is salvation and hope in Christ. Okay, So we, when you read that story, read it with, thank God for Jesus. Right? Because you read that story, you're like, man, Israel's so dumb. God should kill them, actually. <laughs> you know? Like, I get it, God. Do it. You know? And then you're like, oh, yeah, thank you, Jesus. Because I'm a dumb. You know? So, that's the life of Moses. But Moses had this incredible connection with relationship with people. 
When Moses was called by God, God, he's like, I stutter, I can't talk right, I'm not a very good public speaker. He's like, don't worry, I'll have like, oh, your brother come alongside you. He'll speak on your behalf. He'll speak because he's eloquent in what he says. He had his family that was with him. He had friends. He, he left a good lineage. He handed off his ministry to J Joshua, who led Israel in the promised land. And so Moses gives us a really clear look at what it means to have good, healthy relationships, even in the midst of some of its dysfunction. So there's three areas of relationship that I think are really key for every follower of Christ to have, right? I think in so many ways, we kind of haphazardly connect to people in relationship, and that's okay. God calls us to love other people. That's great. But I think there's three areas that God has asked us through his son and through the life of Christ and through what we're going to look at today. Um, three areas of relationship that we should have. So the first one, are we okay? Yep. Good. The first one is that you need someone that is investing in you. I call these, and this is, might be an awkward uh, word in our culture, but I call them me relationships. Like, you and I need people that are speaking into your life. You and I need people that are investing in you. You need to be gleaning and learning and growing from someone else who has been there, done that, done it well, done it bad, doesn't matter. You're learning from them. We have to have investing in you, investing in me relationships. These relationships are mostly receive-based relationships, okay? In relationship, good friendships and good marriages and good uh, connections and family are always great give and takes, right? That's what a relationship, if you can't receive, you're not gonna be a very good friend, right? If you can't receive, you're not gonna be a very good um, husband or spouse. It's giving as well as receiving, but this relationship is mildly selfish. Right? This relationship is, hey, I have, you have something that I want to learn. You have something that I want to glean from. You have something that I want to understand more. And I'm gonna, there's always give and take. I get that, and you have that in this relationship. But ultimately, you're there so you can learn and be invested in, and you can grow. Okay? So this is what Moses, this is what happened with Moses. Exodus 18. So Moses went out to meet his father-in-law. His father-in-law had come to visit them in the desert for some reason. And he bowed down and kissed them and greeted each other and went, uh, and then went into the tent. Moses told his father-in-law about everything the, father, the Lord had done to Pharaoh and the Egyptians for the Israel's sake and about all the hardships they had met along the way and how the Lord had saved them. This is incredibly profound. You and I need someone that you can just share what's going on with. I, you need someone in your life who's in the next life stage, the next season, the next what? Maybe they're, they're a, you see them as they're a little older, or maybe they're further along in a career, or maybe they are, you see them as a higher capacity to lead, or whatever it is. You want to have someone that you can share. This is what's going on in my life. Share the good, share the bad, and then you can share the things that are actually going on. Because we don't always get that opportunity, do we? We don't always have that outlet. So to have a relationship or two or several that you can say, hey, this is what's going on in my life. Here, here, I'm just going to kind of barf on you here. We're just going to like let, sorry, it's about visual. But um, we're just, I'm just going to like share, this is what's going on, the good, the bad. It's honest. It's raw. Here we go. You and I need that. These are investing in your relationships. Then Jeth Jethro was delighted to hear about all the good things that the Lord had done for Israel in rescuing them from the hand of the Egyptians. He said, praise be to the Lord who rescued you from the hand of the Egyptians and of Pharaoh. He rescued the people from the hand of the Egyptians. Now we know that the Lord is greater than all other gods, for he did this to those who treated Israel arrogantly. So Jethro takes what is he receives 
when he hears, and he praises God, he encourages, he's excited. I don't know about you, but in my life, I'm kind of an encourager, words of affirmation guy, right? So when I get, sometimes I don't always know, am I on the right track, am I doing the right things, is this the right train of thought, anyone else? <coughs> right? So I don't always know that. I think I trust my God a little bit, I believe that the Lord speaks to me, but I need other people that I trust, who are unbiased, who will have my best interests, are more interested in telling me the truth and being my buddy, I need those people to speak in my life or to be like, hey, that's awesome. Look what God did. Praise God for what he's doing through you. Sometimes in life, that's all you need. Sometimes in life, all you need is someone who you respect or you look up to or you love or you, you know, see as an idea of who you want to become or who you're being made into. Just like, man, that's awesome. Keep going. I had a call with a friend yesterday who was older, wiser, smarter than me, and we had this conversation, and at the end, he was like, man, I just, you just trust your discernment. You trust what you feel God's saying. This is a good example of that. And I was like, yeah, I'm gonna. You know, I was like so pumped up, right? Because all it takes is encouragement. John Maxwell wrote a book about encouragement changes everything, and it's story after story of someone investing in someone younger or less mature or in a different life stage and just encouraging the heck out of them. That, that's what Jethro does. He says, hey, praise God for what he's doing. That's so awesome. He's just like beaming. And when you get invested in someone like that, where what they do doesn't affect you ultimately, but if you just get to see God work through them, it's just the best feeling in the world. So then, it says this in verse 13. It says, the next day Moses took his seat and to serve as a judge for the people. And as they stood around him from morning till evening, his father, when his father-in-law saw that Moses was doing this for the people, he said, this is, this is, what are you doing with these, what are you doing for the people? Why do you alone sit as judge while all these people stand around you from morning till evening? So literally, they think there was maybe a million Jews at one time in the desert. He would stand, sit down, and he was the judge for everyone. And people would bring all of their issues to him. That sounds terrible, right? If you ever feel like in your office or in your house, or you're like the one who always brings all the problems to you, like, hey, there's this, there's this, there's this. Oh, you're like, you can understand what Moses feels like. You're like, just figure it out. Make a decision, right? So then this would, Moses answered him, because the people come to me to seek God's will. Whenever they have a dispute, it is brought to me, and I decide between the parties and inform them of God's increase in destructions. In destructions. And Moses, his father-in-law, replied this, what you are doing is not good. What you're doing is not good. You and I need people in our lives that will tell you, listen, what you're doing right now, nah, no bueno, no, not good. This is not going to be good for you. Not people that will sit at a sideline or post on a Facebook post like, this is blah, 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 blah. Those people don't count. I mean, to Jesus they do, but not to you. Okay? Not in this context. But you need people who will celebrate with you when things are going great, and then they will be eyes for you and ears for you. Be like, hey, man, do you see this? I don't think this is good. And no matter where you are in your life and what life stage, you always need that. Because the Holy Spirit sometimes whispers to me, and I don't always hear that. And sometimes my wife uses it to me, and I don't always hear that. She's way smarter. But then sometimes this person will tell me, and I'm like, I should probably listen now. And my wife's like, why don't you listen to me? <laughs> it's a different sermon. <laughs> what you are doing is not good. 
Well, thanks, Dad. What the heck, right? You and these people come to you and these people who come to you will wear your you'll wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. Listen now to me, and I will give you some advice. And God may be with you. You must be the people's representative before God and bring their disputes to Him. So Jethro says, "Hey, why don't we take the the masses of people and let's split them up into groups of thousands and one hundreds and fifties and tens, and then we'll put people. And then you're going to go and you're going to train other people that you trust that are in this community of believers to uh, help with that. So there, you take the thousand, you take a thousand, then underneath you, you take a hundred, you take a hundred, and that's way more. It's like a pyramid scheme, right? It's just no. It's network marketing. Just get five people under you." Um, so he gives him this great advice, he get, and he saves Moses' life. You and I, especially those who are young, you feel invincible. I, at times, feel, no, I got this. I can carry more. I can start this new thing. I can meet with more people. I can do this. Don't worry, I got this. It's all for the Lord, right? Or at your job, you're like, no, worry, I'll take that on. I don't want to appear that I can't handle it, so I'll take that on. You and I have this thing that we want to be heroes. We want to be the ones who can carry the most. We want to kind of show, not always in a bad way, but in a way of like, we want to look how much I've carried. And we need people in our lives that be like, hey, listen, that's dumb. Don't do that. I've had people in my life since I was very young in my family who've said, do not sabotage your family. Do not take so much time away from your family to do ministry that you miss out on your family. I've had that pounded in my head so many times, I'm not going to do it. Because I've seen people that have done it, and they're like, don't do it, it's not worth it. It's not worth one, you know, maybe the sermon's 10% more, uh, 10% better, but not at the sake of your kids. (sighs) Okay, I'll take that. What you are doing is not good. You and I need people who are investing in you, who are, will be willing and honest to say enough to say, listen, this is not good. Or, hey, what, what, what's going on with this? Uh, our pastor, in Dave in, in, in uh, Greeley, he's the best at that. He, he says, talk to me about this. When he says it, I'm like, okay, here we go. This is going to be good. You and I need that desperately, whether you're a pastor or a mom or a business person or in construction, or whatever you do. You and I need that, because we're not going to become who we are. God wants us to be alone. We need people that will pour into you, and will, and you can be kind of selfish. Like, listen, I need this from you. Can you help me? It's going to be a little bit selfish, but it's so crucial, because it's not selfish to them, because the, the older generation, the ones who've been there and are trying to, you know, there's a serious lack of purpose with the older generation. Like, what, what's the point of my life now? I did my job, I retired, I'm done. The purpose of the older generation is to just invest so heavily and so passionately into the next generation. Just to, this, is what I, this is what I experienced, this is what I've been through, and the older generation should just so be so excited to encourage and cheer on and celebrate the young generation and then be willing, as that relationship is built, to be like, listen, I don't think what you're doing is good. Don't skip the first to do the second. Ah, kids these days, they don't listen to the loud music and all this stuff. Maybe that's when I was a kid. That's what they said to me. But if you don't start by encouraging and investing and loving and cheering, then you'll never earn the right to say, hey, what you're doing isn't the right thing. Or I'm I'm just seeing something I don't see. Super important. 
little bit of tips about uh, how to find someone in this world. Do not ask anyone to be your mentor. That will freak them out and they will run away. <laughs> or it'll, it could become like a, I mean, what they're doing is mentoring. And you might have like a specific person that you want to mentor you in life, and that's fine. But I wouldn't go out and be like, hey, would you be my mentor? It's like, uh, nope, because I know my own brokenness and my own mess and all the things I get messed up in. So no. But you as a young person, or if you find someone that's in the next season of life who you respect, you find someone and be like, hey, could we sit down and have coffee? Could we go have a drink? Could we do something? What Could we get together? And then you come and you ask questions, and you come and you listen, and you come and you share. Right? I think the younger generation has been a little like, no one wants to mentor me. It's, not, it's your responsibility as well as other people to go and be like, hey, can I learn from you? you? How did you end up with great kids? How do your kids still love Jesus? If you have kids and you don't, if you want to find someone whose kids love Jesus still and be like, how did you do that? How did your marriage, how do you still like each other after 50 years? How is that possible? I still like my wife so much. It's only been 14. I can't wait for 50. Good save. So, how do, you, how do I get there? In your career, how, there's someone ahead of you. How do I, what, what in my habits are you seeing that I need to grow in? Then you listen, you celebrate, you encourage, you edify. And I wouldn't find just one person. I would find many people that help can kind of pour into your life. I had this friend uh, who him and I met for a long time. We would meet every week, and he wasn't, I, we didn't call him my mentor or anything, but we would talk about the Lord and family and stuff, and I respected him way as a dad and as a heart for, someone with a heart for God. And one time he was, he was uh, helping me fix uh, my kitchen or my bathroom is the word. We were putting new countertops in, and we were doing, we were cabinets, and we were putting the sink in, all this stuff, and I didn't know how to do any of that. And along the road, probably like five or six times during this time, he'd be like, yeah, yeah, you don't want to do that. You want to do it this way. I'm like, oh. How'd you know that? He's like, well, you know, you learn a lot as you go. And then the next time, I'm like, how, well, how'd you know that? He's like, oh, I did it wrong for like five years. I'm like, oh, okay, good, good. And then by like the fourth time when he would do something, I'd be like, oh, how did you? I'm like, oh, that's because you did it wrong. See, the older generation, God will allow us to go through problems, and he'll allow, allow us to go and have things go wrong so we can invest in people who are younger to save them from the pain that comes with the hurt. And with the problems. And this guy could he do anything because he'd done it wrong so many years and fixed it and tweaked it. Now he can do it great. Now he's like doing this great work. It's beautiful. I'm like, how can you? I wish I could do that. It's like, talk to me in 20 years when you've made the mistakes and now you can learn from them. And you and I, as young, wherever you're at, as young or old, you need people that can still save you from the mistakes because you are not invincible. Next. Hebrews 13 says, remember your leaders, those who speak to the word for you, the word of God. Consider the outcome of their life and imitate their faith. Because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Which means that what God has done in this generation, he wants to do, continue to do, and more. So this generation has so much to share with this. And we'll invest, and we're investing in that generation, and then we're, then we're going to invest in the next one. Okay, next one. We want people to invest in us. That might be hard for you. It might be hard for you to find. Doesn't, they don't have to be like, you know, this like titan of faith. They can just be a person who's in the next season is yours. Next thing, investing in each other. This is given receivers relationships. These are peers. These are people that you can really link arms with in life that are not just, you're not necessarily 
doing this all the time, investing in others, or they're not always investing in you, but they're a give and take. I want you to check out this video real quick as we think about um, give and take relationships. So, you know what? We want to, if we're honest, be like the guy on the left, my left, don't we? When, when Dalton saw the video, he was like, whoa, that guy is, he said a bad word, no, I'm just kidding. He's like, whoa, that guy's tough. And I was like, yeah, he is, isn't he? Like, he was strong, he was, like, good form, and, and, I, and when I watched it first time, I'm like, ooh, that, that's pretty awesome. Who's smarter in that video? Not the guy on the left. We have to guard our hearts against trying to be the guy on the left. Watch this. I will become strong myself, and I will show everyone, and I will pound the stake in the ground this much for double the time that it took a steel stake to go on the ground this high. You and I have to have people that we can pound the nail together. Because you and I can't just pound every stake in the ground in life. Trust me on that. Exodus 17 says, Then the Malachites came and attacked the Israelites in Rephidim. Moses said to, the, to Joseph, Choose any, or Joseph, Joshua, choose some of our men and go out to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. So Joshua f- fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered, and Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. And then Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on each side, one on the other, so his hands remained steady until sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with his sword. It's a cool story of the Amalekites come, they see this army in the desert, and the Malchites come to destroy them, and God says, no, I'm gonna, you will prevail, your enemies will not prevail, and then as long as you keep your hands up, have you ever done that? When I was in basketball in middle school, we had to run around the gym with our arms in the air as long as we could, and the last person didn't have to shoot free throws or something like that, but, um, and it was the worst feeling in the world. Have you ever held your hands up for a long time? It's like, after, you're like, oh, this is easy, I got this, and all of a sudden you're like, oh my gosh, it hurts, it burns, you know, and that's no fun, right? So, Whenever Moses would drop his hands, the army would start losing. You and I need people in our lives that will say, hey, come, pull up a rock, have a seat. You and I need some people in our lives that will say, hey, hold up my arms for me. I'm too tired. I'm too weary. I can't do this alone. This is the hardest one for us to do well, I think. We need peer relationships. We need friends who at times you will lift up your arms and at other times you'll lift their arms up. Well, you can be as honest and truthful as you can with the most close person in your life. It takes, it takes vulnerability. It takes risk. It's probably going to be painful. It gets harder to critique. But you and I, more than ever, ever before, need peers, partners, to walk this faith together. This one's hard because, I, like you said, we, don't, we want to be heroes. 
right? We want to be like, I'm investing in so many people. Look how much I've, and everyone like looks to me as the support. Or maybe it's just me. I'm just having some therapy then. But I think we want to be heroes, right? We want to, I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm investing. I'm caring. I'm helping. And God's like, no, 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 no. I've shown you that you need some people to hold your arm sometimes. And that's, this can be really hard. There is no heroes. I heard someone say, like, don't be the hero in your organization. Don't be the hero in your church. Don't be the hero in your ministry. Make Jesus the hero, and then just you work together with everyone else. And Moses had, these, had his brother and her who were friends and partners in this thing, and they, he held their arms up so they could, be, they could win. There's a great movie you should watch. It's called the Lego Batman movie. <laughs> Serious. The Lego Batman movie, if you watch it, you will get a, you will get a, to the core description of what it means to have community and peers and friends. I, I saw someone say, hey, if you want to learn about what God's heart is for community, go watch Lego Batman movie. And I was like, that's so dumb. And then I'm like, oh gosh, it's so true, you know? <laughs> There's no lone, lone rangers. Jesus even did it. When Jesus was going to go to the cross, then Jesus, in Matthew 26, says, then Jesus went with his disciples to the place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to, to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed and with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. So Jesus knew that he, they couldn't fix what was going on. That Jesus said those, those, those guys weren't going to change what was going to happen. He said, would you come in? Would you keep watch with me? Would you pray with me? You know, you, and we have people in our lives that are, that are like the first text when something goes wrong, right? But we also have to be the ones that are willing to send it and we're also really willing to get it. Sometimes when I'm, it's hard for me to say like, hey, this is really what's going on in my life. Because I feel like I still have to have an answer for what I'm thinking and feeling. Anyone? But you know what? Those people can just hear it and take it and be good. We need to have people who are, will link arms, who will hold our arms up, who will help us in life. And the last one, investing in others. Oh, yeah, we're on it. This, these are where you mostly are giving. You don't, I would say you don't expect to receive. See, in my peer relationships, I expect to receive. And if I don't receive, I'll be like, dude, you're kind of a jerk. Why don't I receive anything from you? We should have that level of connection. Or like in our marriage, right? It's like, you've been kind of selfish lately. I don't say that ever. But that happens. <laughs> right? But that, in your peer relationships, you have the ability to be like, hey, dude, you're being a jerk. Or, hey, I feel like you're not there for me or whatever, as well as uh, being as honest as you need to be. But this one you don't really expect to get a lot back, and that's okay. This is about pouring into others. Matthew 34, it says, Moses was 120 years old when he died. That's really old. Yet his eyes were not weak, nor his strength gone. The Israelites grieved for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days until the time where weeping and mourning was over. Now Joshua, son of Nun, was filled with the spirit of wisdom because Moses had laid his hands on him. So the Malachites listened to him and did what the Lord had commanded Moses. Then the next verse is it, which is in Joshua 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joseph, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore, rise and go over this Jordan, you and all the people, into the land that I am giving to them, 
to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your feet will tread, I have given you, just as I have promised to Moses. So if you know the story of Moses, I think sometimes Moses gets the bad rap. It's like, oh, he led him all the way, and then he didn't even get to go in the promised land because he screwed up, which, you know, he did. Read the story. But I, th- I, th- I don't think of Moses' life at the end as a failure at all. Moses did what we as people are supposed to do. We are supposed to raise and equip the next generation and then leave it for them to experience more and to experience better and to be saved from the pain, some of the pains that we went through. And so when Moses dies, he, he, everything that Moses had been through, he had laid hands and bestowed on Joshua. So when Joshua had his opportunity, when Moses died, he, he was ready. And if you read through the book of Joshua, Joshua is like the, the strong man. He's not fearful. He's going for it. You read about Joshua, everyone's like, oh, Joshua's the best. How did Joshua get there? It's because Moses invested in him heavily. He cared deeply about who this young man was and who he was about to become. If you feel purposeless in life, find someone younger than you and just love them and serve them and invest in them. That gives purpose. That is one of the most important things we can do as we get older. That's why parenting is so huge. That's why mentoring is so huge. That's why serving in kids is so huge or youth. It's because you're investing in the next generation. And when you do that, it gets you out of your little what about me bubble. Well, what about me? My life's hard. Well, what about me? This doesn't go well. Yeah, so why don't the next generation not have to deal with the things you did? Why don't you invest in them so that they can have a clear path to experience more that God has for us? It is the most selfless thing to give of your life that, for something you will not see. Moses didn't get to see the promised land, but he was aware that when he ent- the Israelites entered it, it would be okay because he had bestowed it upon them, and now they're going to be okay. So, who are you investing in? You know, helping in kids, or serving, going to children in need, or going to help with the schools, or in your own parenting life, is, it can be so mundane sometimes, right? It's like, just go watch a show, right? But it's the most important thing we ever do. Like, that's why, as, if you are in the third stage of your life, which I would say is like, about empty nester till you're dead. Um, I want you to hear, I want you to hear the, <laughs> hopefully like 95 or 100, right? Yeah. But I want you to hear the, the beat of who are you investing in in your life? If you're 30 to 60 and you feel like you're, or in my stage where I feel like I'm kind of figuring it out, but not really, and it's kind of haphazard, and we're trying to figure out how to do parenting and this whole thing. Find someone in college who's been where you have been, who's there where you've been, and go and invest in them. When I was a college student, I had people who were married or older just spend time with me and, like, listen to my arrogance and my ignorance, but just love me and cheer me on and encourage me, and it changed my life. Because I did not have this vibrant relationship with Jesus where I was like, I don't need anybody. I'm just going to have God. Woo, you know? Which is just arrogance. I had people that were like, man, let's talk. What you're doing is not good. And I had people that modeled the love and life of Jesus so well. And sometimes I, sometimes I said, hey, can I meet and talk to you? But a lot of times they're like, hey, let's have coffee. 
man, it changed my life. So if you feel incomplete in your relational life, don't feel like I have the friendships I want or whatever, these are, if, you have, if you're missing any one of these, you're missing it. You're not going to be fulfilled. You're not going to be fully who God wants you to be because you need people that can pour into you still. And it's, if it's hard, there's this great thing called the internet. You can find people that are smart. You can glean from them. It might take you swallowing your pride and being like, yeah, that person's better at their job than I am. Talk to me about that. This person you know, might not believe everything they say, but this guy could learn from. And if you, have, if you are struggling with peer relationships, like I need a good friend, uh, I would ask yourself, are you trying to be the hero? You don't need to be a hero. You don't have to have it all together. You don't have to have the, the best and the brightest and the most perfect life. People don't necessarily want that. They want someone who's honest and real and is doing all that they can. So it might have to be like, hey, am I trying to be the hero here? Or maybe you're trying to just like, I don't want to share anything ever with anyone because I'm terrified. You're going to have to risk. That is the hardest one. Because if I go to someone and they talk to me, I can choose to connect with that or not. I don't really have to grab it. But if I'm in a relationship, like if I'm choosing to live this life with you, we're going to have to figure stuff out together. Or if I'm investing with someone, sometimes that's easy. I'm like, hey, this is what I say. You can take it or leave it, you know? There's like great freedom in that. Praise the Lord. Apostle Paul, who is the Gentile church leader who helped spread the church across the whole world after Christ um, was risen and the Holy Spirit came, he had several people that he invested in, but there, I want to read this one verse as we close. You can come up. Um, you guys can come up here. Paul, was, Paul really loved Timothy. He looked at Timothy as a son. He understood the way that God sees us. He understood that the when I see you as, if, as a sister or a brother, but also I have spiritual sons and daughters. And Paul says, hey, there's many teachers. There's tons of people that can teach you stuff. There's tons of knowledge that you can get, but there's tons of teachers, but not many fathers. Even back then. There's tons of teachers, there's tons of people that can explain to you issues or tell you how to think or tell you how to feel or tell you what to do, but there's very few fathers and mothers of faith and you and I can be at that, we can be that at any time. I can find someone who's a little younger, a little less life experience, and I bet I have something that, to share that would help them. I bet you have something to share that would help someone. And this is what Tim, Paul says to Timothy. He says to Timothy, my dear son, and the words, are, we use words like, oh, I love tacos, that's great. These words are really like meaningful. My dear son, grace and mercy and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ to you. I thank God for you, who I serve as your ancestors did with a clear conscience. As night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers, recalling your tears. I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and lived in your mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded now lives in you also. Here's Timothy, who has, in this three verses, you see a lineage of investment in Timothy. 
you have a you have a grandmother whose faith is strong in you, and you have a mother whose strong faith is strong in you. And I see that. And now I, as the leader of the church, am I going to invest in you? And as you read about Timothy's life, you hear about Timothy. He is doing the same thing. So how do we anchor to Jesus in relationships? We model who what Jesus did. We model what Jesus did. He brought people along with him. He taught them, he invested in them. He had a heavenly father that spoke truth and life into him. If you feel incomplete or if you feel like, man, I'm trying to hang on to my faith alone, first of all, that's not even the way it's supposed to happen. Or you're trying to figure it all out on your own or you're trying to be show that you can do this on your own. That's just pride and it's sin and just say sorry. I repent. But if you want to anchor to Jesus, these relationships are so key. Who are you investing in? Who are you pouring your life into? Who are you, who's lifting up your arms in life when you are tired? And who are you lifting their arms up? And then who are you learning from? Who are you asking to understand and, and speak into your life? Because you're not invincible. So as we sing the song, I'd like you to process that, process that, think about that. Hear from the Lord what's missing in life. And then tomorrow, you should take a, make a phone call to someone. Hey, you're younger than me. Let's have coffee. Don't say that. That's weird. Right? Or hey, you're older than me. Let's have coffee. It is your responsibility to do that. It's your and mine. I can complain that people don't, no one wants to help me. No one wants to, <laughs> no one cares about me, which isn't true. But I can go and say, hey, would you help me understand this thing? You've been there. You know it. Show me. So I'm going to pray. Lord, I ask that you just would speak to us now. God, I pray that we just wouldn't respond. Um, we wouldn't just be looking from you for an emotional response, but God, give us a practical step of someone that we could learn from, we could glean from, we can understand from, someone that can cheer us on, that can invest in us, Lord. Help us to see the people that you've given in our lives as peers. God, forgive us if we think we can do this ourselves. It's pride and we're sorry. And God, show us who have you put in our lives that we can invest in starting with just loving and encouraging and celebrating. God, speak to us as we sing the song. God, I pray that we would even have a phone call to make Monday. Because God, I feel like you've, you want us to be free. You want us to grow. You want us not to be in the slump forever. You don't want us to be, you didn't want Israel to be in the wilderness. So God, bring people and help people invest in us so we can come into the promised land of life or we can have someone that will hold up our arms in the midst of it. Lord, forgive us for trying to do it ourselves, for trying to be heroes, for trying to be invincible. You are the hero, Jesus. You are our hero. And then we link arms with others. So speak to us now as we sing, and we would go and be tied to others and tied to you.